0: Uh, if you didn't know, and uh, we provide rest and we provide refreshment and we provide relief for the people on the fairgrounds in the form of chairs, shade, and bottles of water. And so we also provide rest and, re- and restoration for their soul. And uh, Mark and Ginny Apple head that up. And uh, he's going to come and just share a little bit about what's happened. Uh, if he shared everything that's happened, uh, we wouldn't be going home for a long time. And so he's going to share a little bit about what God's done uh, on the fairgrounds.
1: Hallelujah. I hate to do this. I gotta say something before that, which he offered that we could say something. But through the veil, that song said, "Through the veil," and I just see a pillar or a cornerstone. He's our cornerstone, and I just kneeling down and just holding on to it. Through the veil, we're so safe. We're so safe as we go through the. And we have through the blood of Jesus, we can go there. And the pastors talking about the love of God. So I just, I just couldn't get it off my heart. So I just wanted to say maybe two or three things uh, about the fair. It's kind of a personal testimony. Um, this part isn't, but we've given away about 2,000 bottles of water so far. Last year, we gave around maybe 1,800 at the most, and after the whole fair, people are finding out they're very thankful, they're very grateful. Some of them will say over and over again, we just so appreciate this, they'll come back the next day and get some, and one lady even said, you know, I don't know who's doing this or who's behind this, and I just said, God is, <laughs> you know, so, but anyway, um, it's uh it's absolutely phenomenal i cannot i i, I gotta believe god's doing something the pastor's talking about open heavens over over uh over this city last year trying to witness trying to witness trying to witness and had some really good results but they were few and far between and this year i come running from roofing yesterday i'm there most of the time but yesterday I had to be at the roof till still about three and this year i came running from roofers i walk in the tent i'm thinking i'm going to talk to jenny and kind of get you know what's going on and you know, kinda take my place, but instead there's some guys in there already. It's like, ah, got a witness to them. So, you know, what do you guys think about God? That's how I usually start out. What do you guys think about God? And most often they're actually open to, to listen and to, to ask questions. And uh, those two guys and their two, two gals talk to them, I, I would guess, a half an hour just to get started out. And um, on and on and on. I got done with them three more come in and i'm talking to them about 20 minutes i get done with them and some more come in and it's just one after the other i turn around and most of them are 18 19 17 16 years old a couple little 14 year olds came in and i said here let's get some chairs i said i'm tired i've been blah 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 and forever and i was just wore out roofing and then blah 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 and then you know the thing about it is though they stand there and after you give them a whole bunch they want more they want more and it's like, hey, I said everything I could. I'm tired. And uh, so and they kind of sit there, and then somebody else comes in. It's like, okay, I got to go, you guys. And so it's just, it's just, to me, somebody's praying. Some church has been fasting for 40 days. Is that what it is, or is it just from the, the years and the months before this that people have been praying? Is this a revival starting to break out? I don't know, but I've never seen so many teenagers just sit there and not make smart remarks and not do anything except look and just talk and some just smile. And, and, and if one of them seemed a little cold and the other one didn't, it seemed like it was almost the opposite sometimes where they both got involved. But uh, it was just, it's just amazing what's going on out there. And, and uh, uh, I think that's all I have to say. There's probably something I'm missing. Oh, I wanna say this, I've been praying for the last year probably, but especially the last few months, nothing to do with the fair, but I'm thinking about these verses Go ye therefore and teach all nations, da- disciple all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to do everything I taught you. So the apostles are supposed to teach us to do everything that God taught them to do. So one of them is go and tell everybody. So I'm thinking of that. God, am I being obedient? I never feel led to go tell anybody. And yet the Bible says it. Another verse. Uh, I have, you have not chosen me, but I chose you to go and bring forth fruit, fruit that will remain. Another verse. If anyone follows uh, verily I say unto you, anyone follows me, I will make them fishers of men. I'm thinking, I haven't been fishing a lot of men lately. I've done off and on throughout my whole life, but it hasn't been a lifestyle. What about my father's heart? How will they hear without a preacher? And then preachers are supposed to teach people to do the worst ministry, so we all have to preach because how are they going to hear without a preacher? And so... I just encourage anybody that would like to just even be interested like I was. It wasn't till we went to California that I finally had a breakthrough, I felt like. I got out to California, no roofing, nothing nothing to worry me, nothing that I had to be busy about, kind of watched the, the young people and stuff, but I wasn't busy like usual. I said, if I can't do it here, I'm never gonna do it. So I ended up being able to, what I felt was an adequate gospel witness to only three people, but I felt it was adequate. I felt really good. I felt like a Holy Spirit was there. Came home, did two more, long story short. And one of them is really open. The other one, I gave him as much as he could, and he was interested, but he didn't want to go any farther at this point. And now we're at the fair, and at the, at the end last night, I'm watching subconsciously all these chairs disappear, and I don't know why they're disappearing. I think there's only one chair left in here. And uh, Stan reminds me, there's a whole bunch of people just took all our chairs, and they're sitting out there. So I go out there, and I look at them. <laughs> and They're wondering why I'm looking. I said, I bet you wonder why I'm looking at you. And I said, uh, you're on our chairs. Stay, Stay sitting, i got to tell you something all about jesus and we pray prayed over and with all of them. a lot of people gave their life to the lord yesterday i don't know how committed two people were a lot like me coming out of the catholic church and they um they, uh, they said, well, the gal especially, but they are both sincere. The gal said, well, I think I'm 85% totally, and she was just so sincere. She's like a Cornelius to the max, just loved God, gave to people, tried to help people. And I said, I was 98% good. I was 98% after God, but I was going to hell. I said, well, you've got to give your life. Commitment. He needs to be Lord. I'll leave it at that.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mark. We're going to go ahead and dismiss our, our kids for uh, Children's Church, they can meet their teachers out in the lobby area. There are still spots available at the fair, and so if you have not signed up to work, uh, you can, and uh, I promise you, no one forces you to do anything. All you have to do is, if someone comes in and says, can I have some water, you say yes. So everyone repeat after me, yes. yes. Okay, there you go. See, all of you are now qualified to work. Um That's really all that we expect and require of the people that are there is that you be friendly and nice and uh, trust that maybe the Holy Spirit will take it a little bit farther than that. And uh, a lot of times people are just afraid. And I promise you, there's nothing to be afraid of. And so try it out. Uh, They'll be there all day today and all day tomorrow. And I know that there's a lot of spots open. So um, I'm gonna be starting a series over the next couple of weeks called Building a Complete Church. And it's something that I've studied and been a, been studying and processing for a number of months and I uh, really felt like over the last couple of weeks that God provided some clarity on some things. And so um, I hadn't planned to do this, but this is where we are. And uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to be starting our huddles. They're small groups that are going to meet on Wednesday night. Basically, what we did in this room on Wednesday night when we Uh, studied a, a book together, and then we prayed together, and we fellowshiped together, is now going to take place in smaller groups at different places around the city, okay? And some of them will meet on Wednesday night, but if you're not available to meet on Wednesday night because you're in children's ministry or youth ministry or you work and you want to do it on a Sunday night, we're providing them on Sunday night also. And so, On your Connect card is a place to sign up. If you want to do that, there will not be an adult study on Wednesday night in this room, okay, unless one of the groups wants to meet in that room. Um, And so if you want to be a part of that Wednesday night study, uh, please mark that on your Connect card, and uh, we'll get more information to you uh, following that. We're going to study a book called The Prodigal God by Tim Keller, and uh, I'll be preaching a series on that, and then our groups will be discussing it among themselves, and so um, as I shared through the family meeting, I really felt like the Lord was speaking to us as a church that it's not—it's time to not just gather information. It's time to put that information to use. And uh, and churches were really good at learning, but not so good learning data, but not so good at putting it into practice. Uh, we all know the Bible; we can quote it, but if we take a step back and say, "Am I actually applying that to my life?" I think some of us would be shocked at the the little that we actually apply. And so to try to put the reins on, we're going to kind of chew on, like a cow chews its cud. Yep, I'm gonna preach it Sunday, and then you're gonna regurgitate it throughout the week, and you're gonna process that and chew on it, and we're gonna put it into practice, and uh, we're gonna grow that way. And so um, that's gonna happen over the next couple weeks. And so, but first, we're gonna do this series called Building a Complete Church. And uh, while we were gone, and uh, I felt like, Man, I was just in my element as we were gone. What a great uh, vacation time. We were in New York City for a couple weeks with my family. And uh, I love, 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 love the city. Those of you that go into the woods and camp and relax and you just come, you're just you like, oh, I'm in heaven. Uh, I That's where I was. And uh, surrounded by millions of people and they're bumping into you and you're just, it's loud and obnoxious. And I actually get refreshed there. I don't understand it. Um, but I do. And so... Uh, then we were in Minneapolis for a couple weekends to take Kedrick there and drop him off. And so he's loving the city. And uh, he's a little bit of me in him, but he actually has more of his mother in him. And uh, so that's good for him because she's got some better qualities. And so she, he's got a little bit of us. And so he's got our weaknesses too. God help him. Um, but he's there and he's loving it. And uh, we were there for a couple weeks. And so we had a chance to visit lots of different churches and, uh, you know, we went to Hillsong Church in Manhattan and River Valley Church in Minnesota, and last week we had a worship service on the, the campus of North Central University with just the incoming freshmen and students, and, you know, there were so many differences and yet so many similarities about how churches worship, and so one of the things I love about being out of town is being in a church where you just kind of observe and you get to be a part and um, not necessarily be someone that has to focus and pay attention to other things and but you get better at it you get better at focusing on the detail and yet worshiping God which is good because we need to do that in real life all the time and uh, we're not always real good at it but um, as I was processing this and and you know trying not to critique the worship service that I sat in and think, you know, what do they do that I like and what do they do that I don't like? And it's, that's really hard to turn off. And uh, I was there and uh, processing that, and I, start, I stopped and thought, what does God even want from a church? What, what does he want our body to be? And that whole idea of church, for us culturally, we've got to remember church isn't a building. It's not a service, it's not a name, it's not ministries, it's a group of people. And so as you look around the room today, Huron First is the people in this room. It's not what happened 10 years ago, that's not Huron First. It's not what happened 50 years ago, it's not Huron First. Huron First is not the ministries that we offer, it's the people that are a part of this body. That is the church, and the church changes and and develops and matures and grows and so as God looks down at the church what does he see and I think there's three uh, different passages of scripture that really highlight what God wants in his church Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 and over the next couple weeks we're going to walk through each of these passages of scripture and in Ephesians chapter 4 at the end of or in the middle of this chapter excuse me This is what Paul says. He says, we will continue, and we'll talk about what will continue, but I want us to focus on this. We'll continue until we all, all, not most, not majority, all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will, here you go, this is what God wants, be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Now, I'm guessing if when you walked in today, I handed you a card and said, how many of you today would love to attend a church or be, see, why do we say that? How many of you would like to be a part of a church where it is healthy, growing, and full of love, it's mature in the Lord, and it measures up to the full and complete standard of Christ? I'm guessing, guessing, at least the majority of you would say, absolutely, I want that. And so here's the thing, we want what God wants. Now, maybe we disagree on how we get there. And maybe, as we start walking through some of these passages of Scripture, what we thought was the way there might shift a little bit. In fact, the Scripture teaches us that God gives us this book, He gives us His Word to shift our thinking, because we think some way is right, but in the end, that way leads to death, unless we've already conformed our mind to what His Word says, okay? In Romans chapter 12, because that's where we're going to start. We're going to start in this book of Romans. Oh, I I forgot to give you this. I I can give you this. Because these three passages of Scripture, um, Romans chapter 12, as we're going to study today in just a second, talks about the gifts that the Father gives to his church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit given to the church. And Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the gifts that Jesus gives to the church. And so we're going to talk through each of that. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see all of them at work. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And so all three of them, as one being, are at work making a mature, complete church. And so we're going to look first at Romans chapter 12, and I want us to read this passage of Scripture together. We're going to start in verse number 1. Verses 1 and 2 really don't have, excuse me, a lot to do with today's passage, but I want us to, to read it to kind of put it in context. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be... A living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, this is truly the way to worship him. Okay, so again, it's not the song we sing, it's the life we bring. Am I giving him my life? I mean, we can stand here and we can declare who he is, but if we walk out those doors and we're living for ourselves and not for him, it's not worship. It's just singing. Okay, so we want to give our bodies completely to him is a way to worship him. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Remember, if we think this way, but it doesn't line up with God's word, I need to conform my thinking to what God says. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. That's like the number one question that people ask. What's God's will for me? What does God want for me? Well, if you start conforming your thinking to God's thinking, you will learn what his will is for you. But we don't want that. We want to go to a church service and we want to stand in the front and we want some prophet to tell us God's will for us because that's a whole lot easier than conforming my life and my thoughts to God's way and knowing what God's will is for me. That's a great place to say amen. But that's what we need to do. So, then you will know God's will for you, and His will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. Now, it doesn't just say it's good, because there are things that we look at and we're like, man, that looks good. But it is not God's will. Good is not the qualifier of God's will. Good, pleasing, and perfect. We don't have time to talk about them, but they're different. So then verse 3, and this is really where the Apostle Paul gets into what we're going to talk about today. Because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Okay, now, if you're going to get a warning, that means we've got to pay attention. Because we've got to know something, something that's about to follow is important, or maybe we're unaware of, and so we've got, we got to pay attention. Don't think you're better than you really are, amen. That is the American culture today. And every single one of us sitting in this room right now need to make sure we pay attention to that because it is way too easy for us to start thinking we are better than we are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Okay, now you don't have to think you're this terrible person because what do you measure yourself by? the faith God has given us. We don't measure ourselves by my ability. I don't measure myself by what I can do. I don't measure myself by how well I've performed this week. I measure myself by the faith God has given me. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. See, there are people in our world today that will teach you, you can love Jesus and serve Jesus, but you don't need to be a part of the church. I don't know what they do with that verse of Scripture because right there it says the church, people, we all belong to each other. It doesn't just say, just serve Jesus and don't worry about anybody. It says you belong to each other. That's pretty important. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I didn't I don't know if you know this, but the scriptures teach that we're made in the image of God. That means you and I bear part of the characteristics and nature of who God is. And he did that. He made us in his image so that on this earth we could represent him. That we could exercise his authority over creation. If you go all the way back to Genesis 1, you're going to see this. But we do not just bear his image individually. We bear his image collectively. Okay, even in Genesis chapter 2, when he talks about creating man and women, he made them in his image, both male and female. Together, male and female actually create a fuller picture of the image of God, meaning what God has taken out of himself, the characteristics, the nature, he has put it into our lives. Some of those characteristics are in women. Some of those characteristics are in men. And so if you come together as a husband and wife, you actually see a fuller picture of who God is. So we would rather be God ourselves. That's human nature. I do not want some part of God to be found in another person. I would like to isolate myself and just be God all to myself. I don't want to see the image of God in other people. But the scripture is loaded with this idea. We're gonna talk, uh, when we talk about Ephesians chapter four next week, that the ministry of Jesus on earth, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, those are all part of the ministry Jesus did when he walked on the earth. And what Jesus did when he left is he took the ministry that he created, that he did, that was in him, and he separated it into five parts, and he spread it out. Why? Because we belong to each other. And so what happens is God has taken graces, gifts. That word gifts in this passage is actually the word charisma in the Greek. It's the word for grace. So it can be gift, it can be grace. In some translations we'll use it interchangeably. He has taken what exists in him, his nature, his personality, Because God has a personality, did you know? He's got characteristics. And he's taken from his characteristics and he's put them in each of us. And when we look at someone else and we don't like what's in them, what actually might be happening is we don't like something that's in God. Ooh, I would never do that. I'm very spiritual. Don't let anyone... Think more highly of of themselves than they ought. We're going to keep coming back to that throughout the day. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says the same thing to the church. God has given each of you a gift, a grace, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Now, I don't know if you picture God as Santa Claus up in heaven with a big sack dueling out gifts, okay? But that's not what he does. What God is doing is he's taking from the great variety of gifts that's in him, God serves. So if you serve well, that's because God took a part of himself and put it in you. God teaches. And so if you teach well, God took a part of himself and he put it in you. God prophesies. God is kind. Whatever, God's a giver. Whatever exists in you that you do well is only because God has taken a portion of himself and he's placed it in you. Do you, do you understand? I mean, that, that excites me. See, here's the thing. I'm a teacher, so I get way more excited than some of you when scriptures come together and it like all makes sense. It's like a puzzle. Anyone like to do puzzles? Do you ever get really excited when you find the piece you've been looking for for so long? That's kind of how I feel right now and I've got all this juice inside of me and I don't know what to do with it. So just bear with me as I kind of walk through this. Um, In Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah, God's speaking to him. He says, Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Now, We know that God does not treat anyone differently on planet Earth. So all people, God treats them the same. So if God formed Jeremiah in his mother's womb before he was born, and he set him apart and appointed him as something, he did it for you. He did it for you. And if your job is to be a CPA, if that's what he's gifted you in, it's because God is a God of detail. Do you, do you think that he just one day randomly created the universe and just said, hmm, what should I do today? He is a God of structure, order, and detail. And so those people that annoy you that are like so focused on detail, I was just talking in the foyer today to someone and we were looking at words on the screen and, and uh, I said, you know, whenever there's just like one word on a line, I'm like, why is there just one word on the line? Can we bump some words and make it like a phrase it just I don't understand why I don't like it it just I don't like it and churches that I visited this last week they do it too I'm like why do we do that there should be it should be structured and ordered and but everyone doesn't think like me but when I look at that screen do you know what I think I'm right and that person is wrong because it's not right or it's just a different aspect they don't look at the screen and look for order. They look at the screen and look for message. And so they're all, they're all about the message. You know that we're all created differently, right? I know that it says all men are created equal, but... We're not. We're all created differently. And some of us are very like spontaneous and some of us are very like, no, we have to have a plan and we got to know where we're going every second of every day. And some of us are like really outgoing and we would talk to everybody. I mean, Mark is like, "Eh, let's talk to everybody. And you're like, I'm a terrible evangelist. I'm like the worst sinner in the world because I'm not like Mark. I'm not like Mark. When I walked by the tent last night, Mark was standing there and he had two young boys and he was praying for them and he had one arm on this one, one arm on the. And I wanted to stop and take a picture, but something inside me said, no, those boys didn't give me permission to take their picture, so I'm not going to do that. But the picture's in my brain and I'm like, if I go to the tent today, that's probably not going to happen. Teenagers are not going to flock around me and be like, let's pay attention to this guy because it's just not oozing out of me. So I'll just stand close to Mark and be like, but you and I can get better by watching him and by learning from him. That's the gift of an evangelist. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Stop. Come back. Okay. So then first in Psalm 139, this is what it says. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex, which, you know, I don't know how you can look at that and be like, oh yeah, that just happened one day. All of our bodies intricately put together and boom, there it was. Your workman, that takes a lot of faith, by the way, to not believe in God at all and to believe it just happened. That, woo, way more faith than it takes to believe in God. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God created you the way that you are. And some of you don't like the way you have been created. All I can say is stop it. Because you have a Father who created you the way that you are. And the way that you see things. Now, we're going to talk about redeeming that. Because, you know, you can't just use the gifts God has given you, and sin has marred that, okay? And so it needs to be redeemed. So if you're grumpy, there's no grumpy in God, okay? So that's just sin marring the gift God has put in. If you're critical, okay, maybe that's the attention to detail that you have, but you've got to have it redeemed. Does that make sense? And we'll, we'll get there in just a second. Maybe for those of you that like New Testament scriptures, when Paul preached to the, the church in Athens, he said, God gives life and breath to everything. He satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand. That means before God even said, let there be light, it was all mapped out. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. He determined their boundaries. I know that some of us think people in government have way more authority than they've been given. God determines their boundaries. We could pray less and be critical, pray more and be critical less. That would just be helpful. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. And then he goes on to say, We used to be able to be excused because we didn't know better, but now God has made it perfectly plain through Christ who he is. So, Paul says, don't think too highly of yourself because any faith you have comes from God. Any grace, any ability that you have comes from God. Any perspective, any preference, any personality that you have comes from God. God. And James tells us in James chapter 1, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from God our Father. He never changes, never casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And out of all creation, we are His prized possession. He loves you. He created you the way that you are to be His representation. And you can't do it alone. As we come together as a body, it becomes more full. Now, Romans chapter 11 says God's gift, gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. There are teachers on this planet that receive awards and accolades, and they do not know Christ as Savior. They are amazing teachers. That gift still comes from God, and it came even before they were created in the womb. It just hasn't been redeemed, okay? There are people that prophesy apart from knowing Christ. See, they don't prophesy God's words, but they're motivational speakers. They're people that in a room can bring clarity, can bring direction to something. They see something that no one else sees, and everyone else is like, how did you see that? That's a gift of prophecy that rests on them that just hasn't yet been redeemed, People are naturally optimistic. They're encouragers, and they're not even Christians. It's a a shame that there are actually people who don't know Christ that are better encouragers than people who do. Okay, That should never be, but it's because it's a natural gift that God has given to them. There are leaders that can lead that are not redeemed. And Paul does not give us an exhaustive list of every characteristic and nature and gift that there is in God. How many of you know we don't have enough chapters for that? But he gives you an idea of the types of things that exist in who God is. And he puts them in our lives. And whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, it doesn't matter. That gift was still put in you by your father. Now, you can use that gift for your own end. You can use that gift to work and make money, to make a life for yourself, to provide for your family, You can use that gift to get all kinds of awards and accolades and accomplishments and education. I mean, you can use the gift that God has given you for all those things. But when we come to Christ, we need to get that gift redeemed. So that we no longer use that gift for ourselves, but for Him. For Him. Now, I still may go to work and bring home a paycheck so that I can feed my family and provide for them. But everything I do should now be different. It should be for Him. It shouldn't be for about my own advancement. It shouldn't be for about my own kingdom. It should be for Him. There are those that many times will say, you know, I I know I have the gift of leadership and they're the head of a company or they're in some level of leadership, but, you know, I don't, I don't want to be involved in leadership in the church. I, I, uh, I, I just feel like I, I just... You know, for whatever reason, maybe they've been hurt, or maybe they feel like that's a little messy, or that's too self-serving. I mean, I can do it in the world, but if I if I tried to a, a attain to leadership in the church, that wouldn't be uh, that wouldn't be very humble. Even though it says, if how many of you desire to be leaders in the church, that's a very noble task, and you should ascribe to it. I mean, even though the Bible says that, but what do you, what do we do with this verse that says, if you've been given the gift of leadership, take that responsibility seriously. Use it, because you belong to each other. Sometimes we're like, well, but you know, I, I use my gift at work all day long, and so I just don't want to use it in the church. What does the book say? And I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you and say, well, you know, if you're not using your gift in the body, because, you know, you can use it in this room, but when you go to work, you're not just going to work to make money, you're going to work to build the kingdom. There is no secular, sacred lifestyle in the scripture. There's no, I go to church and then I I go to work. There's no, I read my Bible and then I go off and do my own thing. Our lives are different in Christ and everything we do is about the kingdom. How I spend my money, how I spend my time, how I use my abilities, everything I do changes. The way I think changes because I've become kingdom minded. God is redeeming my gift. And so when you go to work, you're there because God has gifted you a certain way, and I know he's got way more in mind for you there than bringing home a paycheck. Way more. Now don't be one of those people that waste company time. You know, uh, well, I got to evangelize to this person on company time. If you're comp- you know, respect your company, God will open a door for you to evangelize on your own time so you don't have to rob from your company to make that happen. Now, if you can do both, praise God. But if you can't, make it happen on your own time or trust God to make it happen on your own time. And so we have to understand that living kingdom-minded is about using what God has gifted us in and building His kingdom whether it's in the local body, whether it's in the world, whether it's in the church universal, however it is, it's using what God has gifted us in to serve others. Now, I do want to stop for a moment and tell you, this is not a get out of ministry free card, okay? Some of you are like, oh, thank God, my gift is not giving, so I no longer have to give. (laughs) That's not true, Okay, just because someone is gifted with the ability to do it well does not mean that you and I, well, I don't have to serve because I, I haven't been given the gift of serving. No, everyone take on the nature of a servant because he did, and you serve others. But those of us that serve well in the body of Christ help others learn to serve. But here's what happens. Martha was a servant, all right? She was very gifted at it. She was very hospitable. She understood what needed to be done. But instead of teaching and helping and maybe even being gracious toward people who aren't gifted in serving, what was Martha? She was very critical. Lord, tell Mary to get off her butt and get in here and help me. That's what she said, okay? Now, I know that she didn't because she lived in a respectful culture. But if Jesus came today, that's what we would have said. Tell Mary to get out here and help me. We do that in the body of Christ. I don't understand why people don't, don't see that. Why don't people see that there's paper on the floor? Why don't people see? You know, if God has gifted you to serve, understand that that gift, don't think more highly of yourself than you should. The only reason you're seeing what you're seeing is the grace of God. Do not be critical of someone who doesn't see it the way you see it. Well, what do I do? You be like God, who is slow to anger, bounding in love and you model it for them you use your gifting to build the body of christ and you help others along to grow in that the reason that only some of us are good at serving is because god wants us to learn from one another the reason that some of us are good as leaders and others aren't is so that we can grow from one another i mean god could have easily put everything inside of each of us and let us live in isolation But that's not who God is. I mean, even God himself is three persons in one. You think they ever have arguments in heaven? Well, we did it your way last time. Let's do it my way today. But God's perfect. And that's what he wants from us. And now, it's going to take a while to work this out. And it's going to take a long time sometimes to work that out. But we can be patient and continue to, to do it. The reminder for us from James chapter 4, God gives grace generously, he opposes the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. God gives more grace to those who are humble, who understand everything I do well comes from him. And so I'm not going to judge someone who doesn't do the things I do or see the way I see, because I understand I see it because of the grace of God. Maybe I'm called to help them see it patiently, kindly, gently. Those words are all through the Scripture when it comes to teaching and helping others. Refuse to be offended with one another. Forgive one another. So what grace, here's some questions. This is how we're going to end. I'm going to give you a couple questions to think about today and in the week ahead. What grace or graces has God given to you? What natural abilities, what giftings, what personality, what perspective, how has God gifted and created you? And how can you use that better in his kingdom? Not just in this building or in ministry for Huron First, but even as you go to work, how can you become more kingdom-minded so that together as a body, this community gets a fuller witness of who Christ is? You know, I know a lot of times when we serve in churches, we get our feelings hurt. Or maybe something happens and, um, can I just tell you, you have to fight against that. You have to fight against that. I mean, if I would have quit being in ministry when I got my feelings hurt, I would have quit a long, 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 long time ago. I shouldn't have said that many longs. That makes me feel old. But it's impossible. It's impossible. The Bible says it, Luke 17, 1, that offenses will not come. It's impossible. It's impossible to serve together in a body of believers and not get your feelings hurt. It's just impossible. impossible. And so if the Bible says it's impossible, guess what it is? It's impossible. But the Bible says, be gracious with one another. Forgive as Christ forgave you. And so if Christ has ever held something over you and said, well, I'll just wait and see how, then you have the freedom to do that to others. But if he has not, then we don't have the freedom to do it. How can we use what he's given to us to build his kingdom? A passage of scripture that you could read as you go through this week is Luke chapter 12. This is just a portion of it. Jesus teaches that when the master returns and he finds the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. Meaning God has got a plan for you. He's gifted you. He's, and if you do it well, there's a reward system in heaven. Now, I know that sometimes people are like, well, we can't have rewards. Because, the Bible says it right there. Um, I tell you the truth, that master will put the servant in charge of all he owns. But if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants. Well, I don't understand why they don't see it the way I see it. I don't understand. Grumpy is not a gift. Critical is not a gift. And trust me, as a recovering in grump-a- criticalness, that's me. Uh, I can... I could. Pick it apart with the best of them. I could be grumpy and critical. It's, it's part of my sinful nature, and I have to fight against it. So I, I don't speak down to those of you that are in that situation, but I promise you, that's not where God's called you to be. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut that servant to pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And then it says, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. When someone has been entrusted with much even more will be required. Meaning God, if you've been given like extra graces and maybe you do a lot of things well, God, it, it, he trusts you with all of those things, but he expects you to use them for his kingdom. Not by yourself, with the power that he supplies. And as we talk in the next couple of weeks about the, the gifts of the spirit and how all those operate, um, it's so important that we keep that in mind. It's not about God just saying, here's your gift, now go do it. Uh, it all flows from him, okay? You can't just serve him on your own. You've got to serve with him. And then the last thing I want to uh, caution you with is this idea that in our society today, we think, you know, if only, if only uh, I was in a different place, you know, I, I, could, I could serve God better. You know, I, I talked about this a little bit in the Word I shared before the, the message, and uh, I kind of cut it out of my sermon because I shared so much there but I just want to hit on it before we close this idea that you know I can't serve God with the current spouse I have and so I got to get a different spouse to serve God that's that permeates our church world today and so it's not that you know your spouse has abandoned you or walked away but people are actually divorcing because their ministries aren't compatible you will not find that in the character or nature of God Okay, this book is our guide for life, and so sometimes we think, well, you know, if I was in a different church, I could use my ministry, or if I was in a different city, I could use my ministry better, and I'm only here until God puts me somewhere better. Well, let me tell you what God says to us who think that way. If you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest or unfaithful in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So if you think, if only my circumstances would change, then I would serve God, you are deceived by the enemy. Because if you will not serve God in the place he has you, in the relationship that he has you, in the circumstance that he has you, you won't serve him when things get better. Okay, so don't, don't let the enemy trick you and lie to you in that moment. Just begin serving God right now where you are. Just use the giftings that he has enabled you with and begin to put them into practice right now. You wait for everything to be perfect, it's not coming. It's not coming. You wait for the perfect pastor to lead this church, he's not coming. He does not exist. Because pastors are human beings and all of them will be flawed. And here's what churches do. They hire a pastor that that preaches well. Man, they love it. Oh, but, you know, he preaches well. But he doesn't do good at some of the other things. Like, you know, and so then that pastor leaves. So you know what they do? They hire a guy that was better at his weaknesses. And then they're like, well, that guy's really good at that, but man, he really can't preach his way out of a wet paper bag. So, uh, so then that guy leaves, and so you know what they do? They hire a good preacher again. They wonder, why can't God just put one guy that has it all? Because we need each other. In fact, that idea that one guy should have it all isn't even in this book. And when we get into Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to show you that. And uh, So you'll have to come back next week for that. But this week, what graces has God has given me Have I allowed him to redeem them? And how can I be more kingdom-minded? Those are three questions. What graces has he given me? Have I allowed him to redeem them? And how can I be more kingdom-minded? Those are the questions that we need to answer as we go through this week. I wanna invite you to stand with me. We're gonna close in a time of prayer. And uh, if you want to spend some time and wrestle with those questions, you certainly are allowed to do that. We're going to put on some music and let this be kind of an atmosphere of prayer. Because, you know, one thing that I believe strongly is, every time you pick up this book, you should interact with it. Meaning, whenever this book speaks, you should say, what do I do with that? And so I've given you three questions to consider. And I know that some of you got full schedules. I'm not saying if you don't stay here you're a bad person but if you have time I'd challenge you to take a few minutes to process what we just talked about what graces has God given me have I allowed him to redeem them and how can I be more kingdom minded and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to process that in you right now if you don't have time right now I do challenge you before you go to bed tonight to sit down with those questions and process that the longer you wait to say Holy Spirit what do you want me to do with what we just heard the easier it is to deceive ourselves and to think just because we heard the truth means we know the truth. But if we don't put it into practice, we deceive ourselves. And so Father, I thank you for your word that you've given to us. I thank you that we don't have to worry or wonder who you are or what you're like. We don't have to worry about whether or not we're building on a solid foundation. You've showed us plainly how to build our lives on a solid foundation. And now, Holy Spirit, I pray that as we've talked today about the gifts, the graces that the Father has put in our lives, we want you to show us the giftings, the abilities, the perspectives that you've put in our lives uniquely. Show us the ones that maybe we haven't allowed you yet to redeem, the strong areas of our lives that maybe we've allowed to stay under the control of the enemy or the flesh. Help us today to bring them to the cross, to allow you to redeem those giftings, those abilities. Help none of us to think of ourselves more highly than we should, but in view of the measure of faith and grace that you have given to us. Help us to understand more fully that we belong to one another and to use the gifts that you've placed in our lives to build your body, to build your kingdom, to make you known on this earth. So Father, thank you for your presence today and in our lives. Holy Spirit, go with us. Help us to apply these truths to our lives in every way. Now I pray your blessing over this body today. God, that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine on them, that you would be gracious to them, that you'd lift up your countenance on them, that you'd give them peace. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.